are now listening to the Unshakable Health Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. All right. Oh my gosh. I'm so pumped about this episode with what I just discovered today is my current neighbor. He li- literally lives just over the hill from me on the other side of this great divide, the mountains. And he's actually pretty close. So we're going to hang out and I'm going to check out his clinic. It's going to be amazing. He is a legend, literally written half a dozen books. He is a best-selling author. He's a doctor of Chinese medicine. He was a monk. Many people may know him as the urban monk. Pedram Shojai is amazing. He's going to be on the show today. I can't wait to share with you his brilliance and the simplicity, how to live with vitality, true happiness, and in a simple, simple way. He can even help you design your garden, your life garden. We talk about lifestyle. We talk about all the things. We talk about kids. So much awesomeness in this show. Can't wait to get get on it. And uh, until then, I just wanted to thank you for being a part of this community, the Unshakable Health Movement. We are crushing it. You guys are amazing. You are sharing. You are loving. You are learning. And thank you for all those who have dropped a review. If you haven't dropped a review already, please do so either on Apple, over on Spotify, Google, wherever. Drop a review. Tag me. Let me know what you're loving. Let me know what you're learning. Let me know all the things. So grateful for you guys. In fact, I want to share with you one that I just got from Kat Sims. She entitles it The Gut Microbiome five stars, and says, Dr. Hemingway provides relevant and timely information about our gut microbiome with such simplicity and passion. Gain this knowledge by listening so that you can give yourself and your loved ones the most optimal health possible. I'll be listening to this again and diving into the other episodes as well. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, this episode is kind of fun. We talk a little bit about the gut microbiome. Pedram is so knowledgeable about this. He's done documentaries, uh, several part series. Uh, It's an amazing discussion. Can't wait to get into it. But thank you in advance for dropping a review. That is what moves the needle. Please tag me. Please share it with me. I'd love to see it. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me over on Insta, Dr. Thomas Hemingway. All my links are there. Join us in the Thrive community where we are thriving, not simply surviving life. You can hang out with me live on Zoom calls, enjoy daily content, all kinds of good stuff, and just community. Community is so powerful. So you can find the link on thomashemingway.com or over on Insta, Dr. Thomas Hemingway. And for now, let's jump into this amazing episode with the urban monk, Dr. Pedram Shojai. Here we go. Uh, we have an amazing guest with us today. Just uh, such a cool guy, really well experienced, best-selling author. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for this conversation. We have Dr. Pedram Shojai in, ha- in the house. Almost. Hey, great to see you, bud. <laughs> we're across the we're across the mountain. We're actually really close. We didn't realize this at the time of setting up the appointment, but we're literally. What would you say? Maybe like eight miles away, ten at the most. I mean, listen, as the crow flies, <laughs> where I'm sitting right now, maybe six, right? Like just nothing. It's, it's amazing. Just boom, right? Oh my god. I'm in. Um, it's yeah, incredible. And sorry, and sorry about the weird camera angle. Um, you know, check this out. There's my arm. There is a bag of NAD. NAD. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm getting a NAD. I'm doing <laughs> NAD drips all week at our clinic and doing this new uh, treatment called brain frequency, um, which is like mild magnetic stimulation on the brain. And I'm just, I'm like, wow. I'm doing the like the 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 buffet at my own clinic just <laughs> because, right? And so here right, I am. Why not, man? Why not? I think it's awesome. I think it's just 
plain awesome. So, Pedram, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of, you know, a little bit of background stuff so all of our folks can kind of get to know you a bit and then we'll just kind of, we'll just talk. Yeah, awesome. So pre-med UCLA, um, met a Kung Fu master, ended up becoming a monk um, and going off to Asia and doing a bunch of Jedi stuff. Came back, uh, became a doctor of oriental medicine because uh, it like set matched with all the stuff that I did and it felt like more wellnessy. Uh, and then um, eventually realized the limitations of that industry and was like, man, I'm, I'm going to do integrative medicine. So I started into uh, integrative medical clinics um, and really, you know, thought we were making a big difference and still realized after a while that, man, I'm on the wrong side of the fence, right? Like we, Blue Cross doesn't pay me. Um, until it's a diagnosable illness. And I could have averted this tragedy months, if not years ago, had I been on the right, thank you, had I been on the right side of the fence on this. Um, and so then I started basically doing corporate wellness consulting, found myself repeating myself a lot. Um, so I ended up, you know, doing more video. Um, I, that was a point where, you know, I, you know, made my first film and wrote my first book and I uh, fell in love with it. So now I have eight books in 30 languages. And I've got, I don't know, at least a dozen films or series. And, you know, I've just been busy doing media because I realized we were losing the propaganda war and, you know, this whole healthcare crisis that we talk about and, you know, full one half of the U S population having some sort of chronic disease. This is a lifestyle issue, right? This is, this is a how you live issue, not what can we do in the clinic to fix this. And so, you know, and look, you know, you're talking to a guy who's literally in a (laughs) clinic doing clinic stuff, but that's not where the solutions come. You don't want, like, I come to the clinic for wellness stuff. Now I come to like, you know, plump the raisin back into a grape, right? I don't want to be here, you know, for, 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 you know, cleaning me off the, you know, the pavement. And so, you know, the conversation has really shifted around saying, how do we predict and prevent and how do we bring down biological age so that, you know, chronic disease just, you just don't go there. Right. And so that's been a lot more fun for me. Uh, you know what? Between you and me, you are on the right side of the fence. I don't care what any medical doctor out there says or anybody else or darn Blue Cross, Blue Shield, like forget those guys. You are on the right side of the fence and doing great stuff. And in fact, I, I kind of, I came around a little later than you. I, I was a slow, a slow learner, if you will. <laughs> Did the you know medical school thing and 20 years after hospital and clinic work, I'm like, dude, I'm doing, I'm not making a big enough difference. Like, 30-year-olds were coming in for heart attacks, 30-year-olds. Guys, I'm turning 50 next year, and 30- and 40-year-olds were becoming commonplace in the ER with acute heart attacks. You know, It was like, what the heck is going on here? And like you said, half the people, it's more than half the people with chronic disease. Right now, one out of every two people has simply either diabetes or prediabetes. Obesity is above that. Um, if you're just talking overweight, 74% of Americans, 74, what the heck are overweight, which causes all these other chronic conditions, you know, the inflammation that's at the heart of it that you and I know so much about. It is ridiculous. I mean, we're not doing enough, at least myself and my sort of group of medical doctor people, we're, we're missing the boat. Like we suck at chronic disease. I'll just be honest. Like, I'm not afraid to say that. (laughs) I mean, seven out of 10 of the leading causes of death, right? They're preventable. Like what the heck are we doing? But to be fair to the medical doctors, many of which are like, you know, dear friends of mine, this training, 
you know, came from, you know, post-war era where we got really good at surgery. We got really good at antibiotics. We got really good yeah. at acute care and yeah. acute care is, I think, still second to none. We crush it there. Right. Yeah, I, Look, I absolutely agree. ER, I want to go to one in America. Um, yeah. But the entire system was not set up for chronic disease. These lifestyle yeah. diseases that are coming from God knows. I mean, we get into all the, you know, the hairy details of what's going in the food, what's going in the air, the water, all these things that are creating toxicity that are getting the body to kind of get overwhelmed one side of the fence. And then just the change in the lifestyle, the cadence of our life. So we don't walk anymore. We don't do the things that, that were the checks and balances that kept us moving and kept us flowing. And so now we have this, you know, for, for whatever reasons we get to into how we got into this mess, this chronic disease epidemic that our entire medical system was not designed to care for. And it, it is just not well suited to, to deal with, right? And so we have to have a dramatic overhaul in a trillion dollar problem, <laughs> right? That will, you know, very, very uh, rapidly start to change lives for the better, but we can't do it with the same solution set we've been trying to deal with it, right? And so, and you know, I mean, that's why you're doing your yeah. podcast and you're not, you know, sitting there trying to see 12 more people right now, right? Like that's, you know, I, I realized that I was in the MASH unit and I was just patching up bodies day in and day out. And unless I was part of negotiating a peace settlement and stopping the war, I'd be patching bodies for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, true. True story. I mean, uh, you're right. But I, I'm with you 100% for acute medical care. If you're in the throes of acute illness, injury, something happens when you or I are out on our skis or bikes or whatever, like number one, I'm with you. I would much rather be in an ER in this country than some other place. Cause I've been, I've been to a few other countries with, with hospital systems that are, I mean, we do great at acute care, but that's less than 10% of our healthcare is acute care. 90 some odd percent is the chronic stuff, yep. which we didn't really design the system for. So yep. Well, and, and also it. just to, just to be clear, a lot of the people going into the ERs are because of diabetic complications or, yeah. you know, a heart disease that has now turned into an exploding heart. Got it. Okay. Yes. That is technically acute care because something yeah. snapped and is broken, but yeah. it took 35 years to get there. Right. And so what yeah. were we doing before it became acute care? And those are the conversations that really are, you know, remiss at certain tables. Right. And, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously in a lot of conversations with, you know, policymakers and healthcare kind of, you know, shift, shift uh, conversations that will eventually net those types of results. But I think, you know, the system at large right now, if you're not thinking about what you're doing for lifestyle and you're just going to wait for something to break, chances are, you know, you're going to die from it, right? Like it's, we're not that great at fixing broken bodies. We're good at patching them up, right? But like, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the intense acute care episodes that end up costing so much at end of life and all that, you know, all of that is, is for the most part unnecessary if we play this game better. Yeah. 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 And it all, like you said, it all starts years, decades before, right? Like we all know this, like if we're in a state where we're not at our best health, that didn't happen from yesterday to today. No way. That was months, years in the making. But, totally. but the cool thing is we can actually start changing that really quite fast. That's one of my favorite things to share with people is that 
you know, our metabolic health, for example, we can literally change that in a couple of weeks. Like literally it's not, you know, years to get out of the conundrum. It's making some adjustments and, you know, maybe we'll get into that. How do, how do you view this whole, we were talking a little bit offline about sort of lifestyle and, and lifestyle medicine, you know, that's different than the usual, you know, medicine that we think about. Talk to, let's talk about that a little bit and how your views are with respect to the power of that. Yeah. I mean, well, listen, you're talking to a guy who gets up, you know, with the sun, does Qigong and meditates every morning before I even start my day. Cause I, you know, I don't stand a chance. I got so many bullets flying, right? Like I need to be clear. I need to be focused. I need to be happy. I need to be all of it. Right. I need to be dad. I need to walk dogs. And so, you know, you start by, you know, managing the systems that help lengthen your fuse because, you know, and, and, and one of the most powerful pivots I've seen on that is if you start looking at this mechanism of NF kappa B, um, NRF2, and, and some of these yeah. things, that, you know, everyone's looking for this holy grail medicine. The, the studies are out. Mind-body practice are a slam dunk for modulating cytokine expression and, you know, kind of inflammatory pathways throughout the body. So if you don't want chronic disease to get a hold of you, chill out right? In a very real sense, learn how to control the reactivity of your mind and you will be less reactive in your body, period. We understand this. It's not woo. We got it now, right? Yeah. And then what? You need sunlight. You need to eat right. You know, you know, I, I avoid dairy and gluten because my body tells me it doesn't like them, not because I read it in yeah. some article, right? Like it's because I have, you know, I'm 47 years young and, and I have, you know, borne witness to what my body tells me it likes and dislikes. Um, and then, you know, your, your entire regimen needs to be, you know, and I like to, I'm, I'm taking pro-life back from like the, the weird political thing. It needs to be pro-life in a very real sense is, you know, yeah. if you're drinking alcohol, you're poisoning yourself. If you're, you yeah. know, taking an Advil the next morning to offset the pain from the alcohol, you're now doubly poisoning yourself. And so like, what is your lifestyle leading to and how can we be get more life? and more happiness and more clarity, right? I just did an EEG at the clinic to do this brain frequency training. And they're like, oh, your brain is great. Okay. Does that mean I should go drink and poison myself until my brain isn't great to then <laughs> come celebrate? Or should I do more work to increase my executive function so I could be a better everything in my life? Right. And so I think it's an operating system shift. I think it's a paradigm shift. And I think, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's, I think there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, nuance to how you have this conversation because you have your kind of like biohacking dude bro yeah. folks, right. That are already in it and have the means. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, must be nice. You know, you're sitting on millions of dollars and you could, you know, drip glutathione for fun, right? Versus, you know, here I am working a job job and I already have diabetes. What do I do? Well, the answer is you do it the same way everyone else does it, which is you get up and you do it every day, right? Is your your diet, your exercise, your breath work, all of those things are just as relevant for someone on the spectrum of disease, right? Um, and you, it is just as relevant to apply lifestyle right now and that was my biggest issue is like, you know, my doctors didn't have time to talk lifestyle with our patients. You don't get paid for that in medicine. Yeah. You get five right? minutes max. if that. <laughs> That's it. And so where do you get that? How do you get that? What yeah. do you do? Right. And so that became really kind of the missing ingredient in the healthcare formula for me is the people that are charged with your health are 
are there for maybe 15 minutes out of a 24 hour day in the one day a month. If you're lucky, you get to see them. They don't have time to talk about all this stuff. So where are you going to get it? How are you going to get it? Right. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah. No, and, and, and the cool, yeah, the cool part about, uh, about these sort of lifestyle things is like you said, we're not talking about getting the IV glutathione or NAD. You know, we're talking about the simple stuff. We're talking about you wake up with the sun every morning. You have some kind of routine, whatever that is for you. You do the Qigong. I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I've never practiced that. I go out and uh, go for a walk or go for a surf if I'm in, in Hawaii where I spend a lot of time or I, you know, go up the mountain trail here and I kind of, whatever that is, but it doesn't have to be. I think some people think that it's prohibitive, right? They think, oh gosh, I have to learn like Pedram, how to do Qigong, or I have to meditate for one hour. I don't have an hour. Like, what do you say to people in that respect? Like, how how can we simply do this stuff? Totally. Well, I think, you know, you're you're hitting on a point that's really interesting and and incredibly relevant to any audience that lives. Thank you very much. All right, I'm out. Look at that. I am fully (laughs) dripped. So, but I'm just going to stay in the IV room because we're hanging out here. Um, The there's been a misread. Um, I'm just going to start with the monk stuff first. There's been a misread okay. of scripture where people who identify with, say, yoga and meditation and all these kind of like things that are, you know, good for you that are, you know, kind of, you know, woo and woo and Eastern type of thing, right? Um, you know, they they have misconstrued those practices for the ascetics as something that applies to the householders. Less than 1% of the population, even in Asia, had given their lives to the, the devotional practices and, you know, spend all day doing yoga and meditating on a rock and shaving their head and doing all that stuff. The rest of them had job jobs and were householders. And as householders, if you could get five minutes, you get five minutes, man, right? Yeah. Like get what you can get and be the husband, the wife, the dad, the, the boss, the employee, the whatever it is that you are in your world to the people in your world, but live your life mindfully and, and get your sunlight when you can get it, take your breaks when you can get them. And so, you know, that was, that became kind of the thesis of my work after being a monk is I wrote the the, the book, the urban monk, because yeah. I thought everyone was too stressed about trying to get to a 90 minute yoga class in a world where you barely have time to brush your teeth, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah, hikes are free. Um, and if you're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm feeling sorry for myself because there's no hike around here. Um, how about a walk, right? Yeah. Just, just go. I mean, there's a park within a mile of pretty much anywhere in America. Just go find a park and walk around or go walk the city blocks. It's better than sitting behind your desk. You know, I, I routinely am taking walks on phone calls. I'm a guy on the phone all day, right? Like I'm a, I'm not a film director. I'm a film producer, which basically means you just kind of put deals together and put ideas together and like have phone calls all day. So what does that mean? Do I need to sit at a desk for that and get back pain? I tell routinely tell people that I'm on the phone with, I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm going to step outside and get some fresh air. And I recommend you do the same and let's have our phone call. Let's do a walk and talk. And they're like, what, you know, it's like, it's almost like I gave them permission to like live in their bodies. It's like the weirdest thing. (laughs) And, and, you know, entrepreneurs get it, but a lot of people are just kind of stuck, not being able to think themselves out of their 3d linear boxed, boxed in life. And then they wonder why they're not getting enough steps or sunlight. Yeah. My, my new favorite thing. And I, like I said, I'm a slow learner. I'll admit it. 
I, I recently in the last decade started doing walks. I, I thought before that, that it had to be, you had to break out in a run. You had to go to the gym. You had to, you had to keep it a little bit more complicated and a little, you know, have your weight set and all these kind of things. And right now my go-to literally, whether it's here in the mountains, in Hawaii, wherever it may be in the world is just go for a walk wherever, even if there's a park, no park, just around the neighborhood, around the streets of whatever city you're in, like it's free, it's available. We're bipeds. We know how to do this. And now the cool thing, Pedram, is you know this, there's data behind it, right? Like if you go walk after you eat, something that our you know, ancestors always did, something that the folks in Europe still always do. You know, I made a trip there a few years ago. I was like, dude, everybody walks everywhere. And after they eat, they all get up and go for a walk. Like, what yeah. do we do? We, you know, look for the remote. <laughs> you know? yeah. and well, like, and think about what that thing. does. Right. And like, you know, it's very easy to get trite about that and be like, okay, that's grandpa's advice. But now what do we know about that? Right. Well, it'll, it'll basically allow the body to get into parasympathetic nervous system dominance, which is rest and digest. It'll also trigger the cross crawl and the high low of the body so that the sensory motor strip says, Hey, this, this animal does live in three dimensions. So let's, let's activate parts of the brain that have gone dormant because every wall and every floor and every surface we engage with is flat. Right. And, and it starts to not just oxygenate your body, but also return the flow of the lymphatic system so that the still water doesn't breed poison. And there's like, literally, I mean, we could probably spend 20 minutes talking about the physiological benefits to what, you know, happens when you walk. Yeah. But, you know, you roll it all up and say, look, dude, just walk, right? And, and my problem with the whole like kind of podcasting health influencer sphere is everyone is looking for the one hack or the nugget that like will, you know, that they've never heard, but they're not taking walks every day, right? And it just, it, it drives me crazy that everyone glosses over the advice that they're not doing, looking for the like, you know, the isolated glutathione extract that they could snort up their nose that allegedly, you know, will give them a six hour hard on, right? It's just like, come on, let's get back to the basics. Let's do the basics. And then that becomes the foundation for a healthy life. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's review those maybe a little bit. The basics as you, as you say them, um, what, what are those for you? What are the basics? The things that are basically available to all of us, we can all do. What, what are those in your view? Yep. Well, I mean, we all got to eat, right? So let's start yeah. there. You know, <laughs> okay. and, 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 you know, we all got to eat till we're 50 to 60% full, not 100% full. There you go. So, you know, eat to the point where, you know, you, you want your satiety and you realize that most people are just nervous eating or emotional eating and or social eating and or habitual eating and just overeating, frankly. And so if you could just yeah. cut the caloric intake and chew your food and slow down and allow your body's leptin and ghrelin levels to, to really uh, habituate to a slower cadence, you end up eating less, chewing and assimilating more and getting more nutritional value out of calories that are then you know not stored on your hips or your your midsection, right? And so using that time as like a ritual to slow down and eat, obvious, um, you know, and listen, we could do a whole 65 podcasts on like what to eat. So I don't think I'm going to open yeah, that yeah. can of worms, right? But, you know, it's just important to eat what your body is okay eating and telling you it likes versus telling you very loudly that it doesn't like. Let's start with that, right? And then, um, you know, just making sure you're getting, you know, the the one thing I say having done a 10-part series and now a six-part series in the microbiome is the moral of the story is 
eat a lot of vegetables, different colors, different textures, yeah. different everything, and just keep up the variety of your vegetables and eat ferments regularly. Yeah. And once you start, don't stop. And then you will find over time, the gift that keeps on giving comes from your microbiome. You'll find that the body will become more resilient and you'll find over time that the fiber content in the water and the phytonutrients actually start fixing things that, you know, you have been deficient in having a standard American diet. So that, you know, that's kind of the obvious stuff on the food movement is obvious, you know, an hour a day of exercise, sure, go get it. But that, doesn't take away from walking and doing the other things throughout the day and staying active. One of the things that I've uh, taught my corporations a lot is, you know, setting a five minute uh, timer to go off every 30 minutes, get up, stretch, do some jumping jacks, you know, get some water, go pee, but just move your body and get this, this piezoelectric energy generator called the human body to activate and then you'll find that you're drinking less coffee, which means you are having an easier time falling asleep at night, which means you're getting better quality sleep, which means you need less coffee and stimulants the next morning. And again, it becomes this, this cycle uh, that begets better health. But it's not like you know the sledgehammer approach of say, hey, how do I slam on the brakes and, and get knocked out because I've you know been basically drinking crack in a can all day and now I'm wondering why I can't sleep, right? Which is obvious, you know, sleep is, is the obvious, you know, next choice, right? Diet, exercise, sleep, mindset. You get, those are the four pillars of vitality for me. You get those things down, you're in much better shape. Now, does that mean you can, you know, immediately get off your beta blocker? No, work with your doctor, right? But yeah. does it mean that you're now starting to row the boat in the right direction? And all of a sudden you could start to have conversations around reducing pharma and reducing, you know, dosing and all that. 100%. But don't just start working out, um, you know, for a week and then go off all your drugs cold turkey because, yeah, yeah. right? Like there's just, there's some sensible approaches that I think people miss. <laughs> hey, hey, let's back up a little bit. I, I love the first part when you start uh, talking about fermented foods and the microbiome. Just between you and me, what's your favorite fermented food? Do you make it? Do you buy it? What, what What's your go-to? Yeah, I, I like them all. Like I love uh, kombuchas that are yeah. low sugar. I like making the kombuchas. I like getting the scobies and kind of doing it, um, you know, depending on how much I'm traveling, you know, in all candor, I fly a lot. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to be be there to harvest a batch. Um, yeah. I like uh, sugar-free coconut yogurt. Um, and I, you know, and I, you know, I do a lot with like microbiome labs and a lot of partners that we have in, in looking at some of these strains that are beneficial. So I will also supplement with probiotics and prebiotics yeah. I'll have inulin. I'll have raw garlic. We'll have Jerusalem artichoke. I love, um, jicama root. You get at Trader Joe's, they cut it up in, in these little like spears and, you know, really good for the microbiome. Um, and then I just love, um, a medley of vegetables in every meal. Right. And I learned that from Terry Walls and other friends. Just eat more than you think and overeat on the vegetables. Satiate yourself with tons of fiber and vegetables. And over time, it starts to change what you crave. It starts to change yeah. the way you eat. And it starts to change. Like, I, you know, you, I started doing that for a week. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm craving a salad. Right. And, <laughs> you know, knew, if I start. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Craving a salad. Yeah. Like, you know, that doesn't happen until you have fed the right microbes and, and inoculated with the right microbes that then go tell you through very subtle, nuanced ways um, that we're just starting to understand. They're trying to tell you as the host what to go get and eat. 
Right. Yeah. And so they, they affect your psychology. They affect your cravings. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole conversation we have about yeah. the biome and how oh, it's yeah. our psychology. Right. Uh, I love that stuff. And one of those original studies that talked about the messaging that was happening with basically, you know, say junk food, for example, right? There's a certain part of those microbiome, hopefully not the ones that are predominant in us, but they might be from time to time. They literally tell us through these signaling mechanisms what to eat. They, it's not us being weak and, you know, not being able to resist the Oreo or resist the bag of Doritos or eating the whole bag of popcorn or whatever it is. It's like literally these little guys, they're trying for their survival, right? It's the whole survival of the fittest. If you can survive and reproduce and propagate, then you're winning, right? And so if those guys, the bad guys, I don't know, they're not bad guys, but, you know, the guys that are least desirable to have in your gut, if they're winning, they're telling you to eat that crappy stuff, right? The processed stuff. But if you feed the other guys like the acromantia and the, you know, nowadays it's the lactobacillus ruteri that's getting all the press and stuff like that. If you feed those guys, then you're going to be craving salad or just craving real food, right? The real stuff, not all this, you know, what I say, the, the, I call them the evil triad, right? The highly processed grains, right? The gluten, the highly processed carbs, like all of the fructose and high fructose corn syrup, all the sugars, and then the seed oils, like you avoid those three things and you add all kinds of new and wonderful vegetables and fermentation products from the stuff that you probably ate when you were back in China to the stuff you can get here. And like, there's so much variety out there. Like, I feel like there's so much more to add to the diet than subtract from it. There's really only those three things to avoid, you know, the processed stuff and just eat real food. And there's, what is there? I forget how many, 3000 different, um, vegetables out there or plants that are edible. And we eat as humans on average, less than 200 and about three or four of them make up 70% of our calories. Like what? I mean, that's where, that's why we got to where we're at. We're, we're, we got the whole, it's messed up, right? The ratio is completely screwed up. <laughs> well, and if you look at the early work of say Marty Blazer over at NYU, and they started looking at uh, tribes in New Guinea that, you know, had no Western, uh, you know, chronic diseases whatsoever. And they started looking at the microbiome inside their guts. The one thing that was incredibly notable was vast variety of species. And that came from vast variety of inputs in terms of, you know, look, you know, if I, I'll eat what I can get. And they were just, you know, forging, you know, around and grabbing different roots and tu tubers and shoots and whatever the hell they could eat. But that yeah. variety fed a variety of bacteria. And so the operant kind of theory, which I think still holds and stands in, in that world is the more variety, the more resilience, and the more the community could crowd out and control certain bad players so that they don't become dominant. And it all, you know, it's all through biofilm and, you know, really elaborate ways that yeah. these colonies interact. But, you know, the point that you made, which is incredibly, incredibly profound, is that the winning colonies and what they're producing and how they're having chemical messengers within our gut interact with our immune system and prime our immune system somehow. And there's a quantum theory for this now that is getting, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, steam behind it, but somehow are influencing our thoughts, our cravings and our behavior. So very much what you eat will influence how you think and how you behave and how you act, which is just nuts when you think about it, right? Yeah. It is just nuts. And so, you know, you get a guy that's, you know, 
eating that Jack in the crack and taking down Dr. Pepper because a calorie is a calorie and what do I care? And I got to get to my next gig. What they're literally doing is poisoning their consciousness with mindset that's allowing them to then continue to poison themselves and go to this dark, dreary place of, of, of a sleep that then starts to shut down organ systems and shut down the vitality of the body. And so you look at chronic health condition that this guy has a few years later. I mean, it didn't start overnight. It started with the food. It started with the behavior and it started with the, the, the modeling of the behavior as dictated by the bacteria that ate the Jack in the crack in his gut, which is just. <laughs> yeah. It's not what, it's not what I learned in medical school, but it's, I'm so grateful that finally we're, you know, the science is there and there's more and more of it every day. I feel like we're just on the beginning of this asymptotic curve. That's just skyrocketing with more evidence because now people, you know, want to know, right. We care about that. We, the, to say the microbiome or the microbiota or gut health doesn't make you this weird foo-foo voodoo like it, it's actually like you know pretty you know recognized stuff nowadays which is fantastic i do uh, and it's so fascinating i mean yeah to even <laughs> begin to discuss the nuance is just uh it makes me smile just good stuff listen <laughs> knew, done, right you I, are what you eat <laughs> i've done a 10-part series with like i don't know 10 90 minute episodes and we're just finishing another six-part series on the topic and it's yeah. still just scratching the surface because the science is just so profound. It is, yeah. I mean, I'm, we, we're living in a renaissance. If we don't end up dying because of, you know, killing our planet, um, we have an incredible renaissance happening where we are learning so much about how we coexist with nature that it will change the way we have to fundamentally operate as individual species. And then as part of a collective species on a planet that has its own kind of sentience in a way it's, it's a really interesting make or break at time for humanity. And, you know, there's just not enough people listening to podcasts like this because here's the problem. And you know this better than any doc. No one gives a damn about health until it's gone. You know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. So, you know, you get all these health nuts and all this kind of stuff. Most of them have come through some form of calamity or crisis and are now suddenly interested in health because until you're interested in health, you're interested in the Kardashians or Toyota trucks or wherever the hell else you're distracted by. <laughs> and then health comes knocking and now suddenly you're supremely interested in it. Uh, usually that is a couple to a decade, you know, late in the game. So how do we preemptively teach health and bring health to junior highs and high schools and, and turn it into the operating system of how we, you know, like deal with vending machines and deal with recess and school lunches and all these things so uh, that we can have this massive health crisis once people are coming into your clinic with heart attacks in their thirties, right? Yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> the age-old question, and and you and I would know this too well. But it's un unfortunately um, the powers that be and the you know the the bottom dollar, right? It's the it's the money a lot of times. But what's cool is at least now, right? There's a little bit of a impetus behind it. We got a little wind in our sails to kind of promote like what really this could look like. You know, the healthy living stuff, the you know, real food movement. And, and if we start and continue to use our own dollars, however many we have to, you know, buy real food and it starts to make a difference. Like, I think sometimes we feel like it's not going to matter anyway. You know, the big food, the big pharma, they're always going to govern the world. And 
I don't believe that way. I think that we can make a change, but it has to start with us. We got to decide, number one, that we, what we do matters, that we can do it, right? And whether it be today, this week, I'm going to buy my first organic vegetable, whatever that is, like just start somewhere. And like you said, the variety that's out there, holy crap, go to a farmer's market. Like, I don't know if folks have been to other countries, to farmer's markets and things. And like in Hawaii, for example, there's like 20 fruit there that 99% of the world have never even seen before. Like, what the heck is this stuff? You know, and it's all kinds of rambutan and all these cool, you know, fruits and vegetables and things that you just never see. But our body actually craves that, that alpha diversity you talked about in the gut. Well, just like you said, the reason for that is if we eat a variety of things, right? Like there's so much more. It's not just corn and soy and wheat. Like forget that stuff. There's so much more out there. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with the, yeah. with the corn, the soy, and the wheat is the reason we got so good at growing it is because we used uh, 2,4-D. We used all sorts of chemicals to enhance our ability to keep the pests off, to enhance the yields. And, you know, we played with it with chemistry for long enough that we got really good at the yields, but then we started to lose the baby with the bathwater, right? We started killing the soil bacteria. We stopped, you know, pulling the tryptophan up. Like there's so many problems with monocrop farming that we're now just becoming aware of. Um, and look, you're not going to solve that problem on a global scale right now if you're listening to this, but what you can do is go to your local ethnic food store or your farmer's market and get, you know, weird, funky, less heard about fruits and vegetables um, and, and get curious, like, like the good doc just mentioned, and just start playing around with that, getting yourself healthy, and then you become resilient. And one of the things I, I always kind of caution people against is don't, you don't need a new identity. You don't need to now say, Oh, I'm a health nut. Not, you know, I don't hang out with my old friends anymore. You know, it's like, I, I used to see this with yoga people who would then, you know, change their name to starlight and like, you know, not be able to hang out with Janet anymore. You know, it's like, you don't have to change your identity to become healthy. Just start getting healthy. And then everyone around you is going to be like, dude, what are you doing? You look good. Right. Like yeah. I just, I, you know, I think people just get a little too, well, am I a healthy person? Like, what does that even mean? Right. Yeah. And and so don't think, don't, don't think about it too much. Just start doing it. And then as you start feeling better, you're a healthy person, but a healthy person could, you know, wear whatever t-shirt he wants. It doesn't matter, man. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that you uh, brushed on just briefly was the, the whole environment with our children, you know, what they're exposed to. I mean, you and I know that like school lunches, I got two kids right now in regular school. I got a couple in college, but a couple that are in elementary school and like sometimes they want to grab school lunch and they tell me or they show me or like on the take-home days when they used to do those half-day computer things, whatever, they bring the food home and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they serving you guys? Like, how do you approach just the sort of healthy eating stuff and just the overall health with your kids? And what do you sort of, what's your recommendation? How do we kind of bridge that big chasm <laughs> as far as it yeah. is currently? It's a perpetual battle. Like we, you know, we have this thing where my kids think that the vending machine is some sort of God because they're not allowed to access it. Right. And so like, you know, you got to make sure that there's not too much charge um, on it so that they're going to really want it once you kind of like, you know, look away or, you know, they move out or something and all of a sudden they start binge eating cookies or whatever. <laughs> so we allow them to kind of, how do I say this? We allow them to indulge occasionally and then we ask them how they feel and then we monitor how they kind of have their ups and downs and their moods and all that and help them 
become self-aware around that. But, you know, there's no way you're going to maintain control of that script if you're not going to the grocery store and making lunches and sending them there. Very few schools in the country, let alone the world, have, you know, clean, organic, you know, non-PUFA, you know, just all the things that you would want to see in your food chain um, for your kids. So like, you just got to take control of that, right? Like we shop more often, we spend more time prepping food. We just make sure that they go to school with the right stuff. And then at that point, look, there's, there's a dirty, dark exchange where, you know, they're going to want someone's fruit roll up instead of their carrots. And, you know, you just, you got to have a lot of communication with them because, you, you know, I'm only as good as the worst parent in that school. And, you know, your kids have to be able to discern and, and make better decisions. And that's, I man, it's tough. I mean, I, I, I wrote a whole book on conscious parenting. It is very difficult, but you have to hold that line. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said. You got to at least give them the opportunity to, you know, have some of these things occasionally and then, and then to actually give them pause and say, well, how did you feel? Did, did you feel awesome afterwards or the next day? Like, otherwise they're going to go out with their friends and they're going to, eat whatever's in the, the friend's pantry and they're going to be binging on. I, I know when I was a kid, I'll just be honest, like my mom was a pretty good health nut and she sent me to school with always fruit, whether it be an apple, a banana, a uh, tuna fish sandwich. And I never had any of the Cheetos and the Oreos. And I felt deprived. Like, honestly, I'd get to school and like nobody would trade with me. Like kids would trade their stuff around. I was never included in that. I was like, nobody wanted my stuff. Man. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know? so, totally. I had the same yeah, thing. I had the same thing. Like I had a friend whose mom was like 400 pounds and their pantry was stocked with everything sugar. And I'd go in there and I'd look like a, like a hungry raccoon, just like staring at their pantry, not realizing that, you know, his acne, her obesity, all of their family issues stemmed from their stupid pantry. But all I saw was what my mom was, you know, neglecting to give me. And so, you know, I've become very conscious and cognizant of that backfire effect in how we're parenting our children so that, you know, they don't have the same kind of weird weirdness around it that you and I apparently had. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I think, uh, you know, if it's my kid's birthday, guess what, Pedro, I'm having a slice of cake. I'm not having two. I'm not having three. I'll probably either bake the cake so I know what's in it or I'll get it from a place that I, you know, trust, but I, I'm still going to have that piece of cake. Right. Sure. Um, and I think that's okay. But yeah, when it's, you know, a free for all all the time and we have that stuff in our pantry all day long, like that's obviously not going to lead us down the road that we want, which is, you know, to feel vital, to feel alive, to have energy and to be able to do and give and be there for our kids and hopefully grandkids and great grandkids. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that, brother. Oh, man. So, hey, Pedro, I, I respect your time. I know we're getting close to the hour here. Tell us, you know, any kind of final parting words that you want to share and then uh, how people can reach out to you and uh, get your stuff. Yeah. I mean, listen, I love that word vitality, right? Because it comes from vitalism and vitalism is the opposite of how the medical system works, which is, you know, we're going to, you know, cut and replace parts and fix systems that are broken, you know, very linear way. Vitalism is restoring the body's ability to bring health back upon itself, right? And so vitalism is the original form of medicine that came before allopathy kind of took over, which is let's help enhance bodily functions because the body's innate intelligence and wisdom um, tied to nature is has self-healing, self-governing principles, and we could kind of aid those and help them along, right? And so vitality comes from how we live. 
right? Every day, your day to day, you know, I come, you know, I grew up in LA where, you know, what, you know, the word diet got too, too, you know, charged. So people started saying I'm cleansing this week, which basically meant, you know, I, I treated myself like terribly uh, for the last few days. And now I'm going to like starve myself and dr- just drink water or like put celery juice in my butt or something. And, you know, like all these like really extreme um, like tendencies because they thought health was something you did to yourself instead of how you lived on a daily basis. Every breath you take, every step you take, every move you make, right? Like it's everything you do either begets more health or takes it away. And so if you live that way, then you start to really become a consumer of vitalism where you're like, okay, well, you know, I should take a nap when I'm tired because when I drink coffee at 2 p.m. it screws me up for three days because then I didn't sleep and blah 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 so so it it becomes a self-awareness upward spiral that then begets more and more health right I'm in this clinic getting an IV right now not because I'm sick because I don't have time to be sick right because I want to feel better and better like my family deserves a better version of me right and that becomes part of an operating system of leaning forward and doing more and more to just be in better fitness better health better mood uh, so you're making better decisions and you can be a better part of our community right then then you're strong and you're able to give back right people who are sick can't give back they're too busy trying to figure out what's wrong wow <laughs> i couldn't agree more man just uh mic drop amen that was awesome. No, and I, I feel the same. Uh, that's incredible. So, Pedram, tell us how we can reach out to you, how we can get your, yeah. your stuff, your movies, all that good stuff. You have Thank half you. a dozen books at least. I, I didn't want to like say one and forget another title because you've written so many, but how can people reach out to you? Yeah, uh, just find me. I'm at bepossible.com, the letter B, the word possible.com. Um, we have a free tier now. Um, that um, is wonderful. It's ad supported. So now we can help and support so many more millions of people. Films, series, it's all there. Just sign up for free, bepossible.com and check out, you know, most, you know, pretty much every movie I've made plus hundreds more and series and, you know, lots of, lots of really good stuff over there. And if you want my books, you could go to theurbanmonk.com and you'll see all the stuff I've done over there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank, thanks again uh, for being here with us. It's been a great pleasure. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. It was great. Oh, my goodness. What a treat that was. Spending an hour with Pedram. That was so incredible. It was so amazing. I hope you just loved it as much as I did. It was awesome. Oh, that was so enjoyable. So follow him. The Urban Monk, he's got so much cool stuff going on. He's even got a clinic over in Park City, which is super cool. Doing great things, changing the world. Ah, what a gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pedram, for being a part of this movement, the Unshakable Health Movement. Ah, we love you. Thank you. And please, if you haven't already, subscribe so you never miss an episode. We have so much goodness coming down the pike right now. So many amazing interviews, so much good content. Follow me on Insta, Dr. Thomas Hemingway, Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Check out the bio and the links there. You'll find a link to all the stuff, all the goodies, even my Thrive community, my courses, my free newsletter. All the things are right there or on thomashemingway.com. I love doing this for you guys. Thank you in advance for sharing. I read every one of those reviews. I love to see what you're loving and learning, and it tickles my heart. So thank you in advance for that. Love you guys. I can't wait to share more. So many amazing episodes. I hope you'll find them and as enjoying, enjoyable as I did recording them. It was amazing. 
So until next time, love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this movement. And a big aloha.